whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Ballet Dance Live podcast. I feel we haven't had a compilation of best-off moments for a long time. That's why I decided that this week it's going to be one of those uh, episodes which uh, are one of my favorites uh, because you can get uh, the chance to listen to different artists, different stories related with one topic, but from different perspectives, and it gives a very interesting uh, realization sometimes of ideas to think about. So, our today's episode is dedicated to the healing power of belly dance. And you will hear some real stories how belly dance helped to overcome difficult issues, both physical and emotional. And you will hear a couple thoughts on, in general, like what is belly dance as a healing tool for different uh, matters. Each of the short episodes that you will hear from in today's episode is a part of a big interview. So I highly encourage you go back to these episodes if you haven't heard from these guests and listen to the full interviews because we covered many more interesting things in each conversation. And I will include links directly in the show notes for each featured guest and each topic. And today you will hear from Anna, from Asmara, from Amel Tafsut and from Cassandra Shore. So I hope you will enjoy this episode and don't forget to screenshot and share it with your friends and send me your stories if belly dance became a healing tool in your life and what it helped you to overcome or improve. On this note, let's dive right into this episode. Speaking about fears, uh, what was your biggest fear in terms of... Uh, conquering dance profession if you had any of course <laughs> oh my goodness um i have had plenty because i um all right let me tell you uh the story that i have about confidence okay? Mm-hmm. okay when i was growing up as a young child and even into my adulthood i had a speech impediment i had a very terrible stutter and so it um, having a problem like stuttering, it affects you quite a bit because every time you open your mouth, it's there, right? And you struggle so much to just communicate, just to talk to people. And often um, those who stutter um, suffer from a lot of anxiety suffer from a lot of depression, they definitely lack confidence because they often aren't accepted by either their parents or their friends at school or other groups just because they they have so much struggle just trying to communicate. And because of that struggle, they often 
are alone and don't even try to talk to other people because it's so difficult to try to get anything out, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had this problem growing up and as I said, even into adulthood. And when I started dancing, I didn't think about like, oh, I'm going to go start dancing and I'm going to gain a lot of confidence and I'm and I'll start talking to everybody, you know, that didn't ever cross my mind. But my passion grew for the dance so much that I felt like I had to teach it, that I needed to express myself in that way, that I needed to share it with others. And so that really helped me to overcome the anxieties and the fears that I had about speaking to others. And eventually I was able to teach and I started teaching and sure enough, speaking became easier and easier for me. And I was able to uh, gain a lot more confidence by having the ability to speak freely and easily that I don't feel that I would have had the opportunity if I was doing something else. You know, belly dance has given me the opportunity to, to say what I have to say in this world that I don't feel that I could have had an opportunity even in IT or even in other jobs I've had. I just didn't feel as passionate about those things as I do about this, that I felt that I have, I have to get over the fear and anxiety because I have something to say to this world and it's belly dance, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's been a very strange journey. I didn't plan to have the dance form fix the problems that I thought I had, like the anxiety or the, even the depression, but that's exactly what it did. I feel that um, it, it saved my life because I um, was so anxious and I was so depressed um, and somehow it worked its magic on me and I'm able to speak now much more freely than I ever have in my life. I'm able to speak to large groups, um, workshops, teaching workshops, teaching classes all week long, you know, and as a child, I would have never, ever dreamed that I would ever do that. Never, never in my wildest dreams. The minute my foot hit the stage, ah, heaven, absolute heaven. Mm. And it's still heaven. But there's always a little touch of hell right before right before I start performing. There is. 
even after all of my years of performing, there's still a nervousness about, am I going to do well? Are they going to like me? Is, you know, do I look okay in this costume? All of do I have enough energy? And do I look too old? Do I look too fat? You know, all of this negativeness. And I do my little warm-ups, and I'm listening to them announce my my name, and my foot touches the floor. I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. And okay, one one story mm-hmm. about this. My brother passed away, and several weeks later, my dear, dear, dear friend Haig Manukian passed away. Now, Haig Manukian was like a brother to me. It was Haig Manukian and Sudan Baronian that we played together for at least 30 years, and he was slowly passing from cancer, and brother passed very quickly from an accident, and my heart was broken, absolutely broken. Now, another dear friend, Sahra Saida, was going to be teaching in Philadelphia, and I love this woman, and another dear friend, Najia, is who sponsored Sahra. So these two dear friends, and I was invited to come, and I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come. You know, again, my heart was broken. So I look on, I look on Facebook and go, shit, she has me listed as performing. I don't want to perform. My heart, yeah, I, 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 just, I, I can't perform. And I start driving to Najia's place. It's like an hour and a half away. Well, I hit traffic jam after traffic jam after traffic jam. It took me six hours to get there. Mm. And each time I hit a traffic jam, all I wanted to do was turn the car around, go back home, and pull the covers over my head. Well... I heard my brother's voices, my blood brother and my heart brother say, no, no, go be with your friends, go dance with each and every traffic stop. (laughs) Damn. No, no. Be with your friends, dance. Finally, I get there. Now, Afternoon comes for preparing for the performance. I go underneath the piano and cover myself with blankets, and I'm crying because I don't want to dance. I just don't want to dance. And again, I heard my brother's voices. No, no. Dance. Talk to the musicians, arranged my show, and I'm dancing not in costume but in Fancy teaching wear. They start playing. It's the music isn't fast enough, so I use my finger symbols to get the music up to speed before I hit the dance floor. The moment I heard the music, my heart lifted. 
I flew. I was so happy. And my heart just filled. And I felt my brothers going, good, you're dancing. You better not stop. So that's that's my story. Mm, that's a very beautiful and touching story. And thank you for sharing. And uh, oh, yeah, dance can uh, literally get us out of some dark spots sometimes and uh, at the same time it's very difficult sometimes to push yourself to dance and how you was mentioning your story how many times you wanted to turn away uh, back home and you didn't feel like dancing uh, especially in such a uh, intense moments that uh, some crisis hit our life uh, Uh, like that so thank you so much for sharing and uh, I'm pretty sure like many uh, people might have uh, or someone at least uh, might have needed to to hear it right now because uh, we all go through different things and especially right now with this worldwide situation that uh, many dancers kind of lose their enthusiasm or intention or motivation to to dance uh, uh, it's sometimes good to hear the stories that sometimes we just need to push and let ourselves uh, be like diving into the music and into the dance so thanks for sharing yes well you know so many of us in our lives have had such tremendous life changes that we feel we feel weakened by those changes and we're finding ourselves starting over again starting over again finding our emotions finding finding strength to continue and dance truly does empower us and it gives us inner strength renewed confidence it helps us out of it helps us out of our pit of despair (laughs) also uh, another topic that I feel I just cannot skip it would be uh, unforgivable (laughs) mistake um, is to uh, touch on uh, the healing aspect of all these dances because you already mentioned the aspect of fertility and uh, we talked about uh, meaning of uh, uh, tattoos and costume that it has uh, spiritual aspects too uh, but I also know that in even in your classes you sometimes focus them specifically on the uh, healing aspect uh, of uh, North African dances. Uh, the healing aspect, um, I think, the healing aspect is always present in in all the dances in the art world. Um, the first uh, important healing to me is when women are dancing together. And when they are sharing the dance together, because if there is a wedding, um, uh, do you know there is a kind of hierarchy? Uh, who is the first person to dance for the bride? Mm-hmm. Usually, is her grandmother. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and then is a mother and uh, and they offer the dance to to the bride and um, and then the women are dancing together because you know the solo dance the solo dance really uh, didn't come uh, even if we are going back to the to the the Andalus, to the to the Moors in Spain, in south of Spain, and I have done a lot of research about that because um, my ancestors came from Granada, and they were from the Moors, and then they came to North Africa. So I have done a lot of uh, uh, research about the fall of Granada, for example. And uh, do you know they had all those? Uh, um, uh, how can I call it, uh, the entertainers mm-hmm. in the palaces. And the enter- entertainers, they were slaves. And and those slaves, they were the most educated ones. Uh, they were uh, educated in every art you can imagine, in poetry, in uh, um uh, in dance, in singing, in uh, uh, playing instruments, uh, in storytelling, and uh, and when when I was doing my uh, uh, my um, um, my research, uh, and I, I went to look in the uh, what the Arab historians wrote about them, is interesting that uh, they are called the Qiyan. Uh, those uh, women that are called the Qiyan, uh, they never talked about the dance. They talked about them as amazing singers and poets and uh, musicians, and actually they were dancers. And uh, and that would be interesting uh, for me to find out if those uh, Qiyans, those uh, female entertainers, uh, were dancing as solo. Mm. Uh, dancers, or they were dancing together, you know, uh, because that would be interesting to see uh, the solo dance. Did that come uh, from the West, or was it still existing in uh, in uh, in our world? So basically, uh, in North Africa, it's why there is a big resistance against a solo dancer. And you find out, you find now, even in weddings, if you go to weddings, and then they are dancing together and doing all the uh, traditional dances. Uh, and then sometimes at the end, there is a belly dancer. Mm-hmm. And she's a solo dancer. Uh, and that is what you find in, in big cities, for example. Because even if you are to- without talking about the shikhat, they dance together. Mm-hmm. They always dance together. If they do a solo, it's a very short solo, but they don't dance by themselves. And that is, for me, the biggest healing aspect that women, because they live together, uh, that they share the dance and it heals them because what is healing? Healing is joy. Is joy, joy of the music, joy of the dance. So that is the first aspect of the healing that I, I think is it it it's done with no uh, expectations. It's just very spontaneous that everybody does. And then there is the other healing uh, where it's directed and is focused, and that is. Uh, uh, 
the healing like releasing any kind of disease or frustrations or something like that, or uh, the healing that uh, more you find in the desert because there is a Gedra uh, that is really a dance that comes from the West Sahara. Mm-hmm. And then you do have all that uh, area, if it's uh, uh, among the Tuaregs or the Nakh, for example, in in, uh, in Tunisia, uh, they are all uh, spiritual dances, but it's also blessing, giving the energy. When you are dancing, you are actually blessing the people who are coming and blessing, uh, you bless yourself, but you bless the others. And then you bless yourself. You bless everything. You bless not just the people. You bless the whole the whole universe. And that is the aspect that I like about those dances. Because um, so if we are talking about uh, uh, in Egypt, they call it Zar. We call it Hadra. And Hadra is the presence. Uh, you can call it the presence. Of, but to me, it's about the divinity. Because uh, I am very involved in Sufism, and in Sufism, uh, God or Allah or the divine is inside, is in your heart. So it's not outside of you, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, That is not, you are part of it. And that's what I like about the breath work, the zikr, for example. If you are doing the zikr, if it's, it has to do with the sound. The sound is so powerful as a healing, uh, a healing energy. So the area where I come from in the mountains, and that is going back to the women, there is one singing, uh, uh, a kind of uh, more like a chanting called Aita. And Aita is that it's me, it means the scream. And the women do the scream. And I had a, a nanny, and when she was uh, sad, she would sing and cry. And she used to do this Aita. And I find myself doing it now that I am, uh, uh, it's amazing. And that, that kind of uh, uh, singing is it's the sound. And the sound of it is so powerful that actually it's, a, it's about sound healing. Mm. And the zikri is about sound healing. So the sound, as much as the rhythm, as much as the dance, they are together and they heal. They can heal. If you are dancing, what is the difference between going to the gym and the dance? It's spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, the dance, the dance, if you are dancing, it's, it's like it goes to yourselves, it goes to your marrow, it goes everywhere. Uh, if I am gymming, it's like, okay, I have the, the, the I am just ma- making sure that I'm going to have muscles or I'm going to feel okay. It, it makes you feel good too, but the dance has something so deep. And that is the healing side uh, that I like about what I'm doing. So the, the, the work that I do that has to do with healing, I, I think every woman can heal herself. And she does know how to do it. I can give her the tools. I am not healing. I am I'm not 
taking her uh, energy. Now, how can I express it? I am just a, a facilitator mm. to help her to release those energies that she's holding for a long time. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's why I say I'm giving her the tools. I'm giving her the key and she has to put the key in the lock and open the door. Mm. So, uh, because I don't have the, uh, the pretension uh, uh, to, uh, you know, I, I am not a guru. I, I'm not uh, saying, okay, if you come to my uh, classes, you are going to be healed after five months. I don't think it goes that way. Uh, it's really you have to listen to the women because women are so beautiful. And it's so sad. Uh, I did a workshop where uh, I was doing some sound, just sound healing. And some women, they couldn't even open their mouth to let a sound come through. The sound that comes through is not the sound that comes from your mind. It's through breath work. And then you let any kind of sound come through. And that sound is so powerful to heal yourself. And when suddenly they started accepting their sound, they had tears in their eyes because they, they thought they are not able to do it, especially in the West. You know what we do in North Africa? If somebody dies, we, the women gather to, together. And they scream, they cry together, and they, they do like a movement, and they cry together. And can you imagine how powerful that is? Mm. And that is like here, like if you cry, you have to hide to cry. You shouldn't, uh, you know, why we have the zagarit, you know? You call it zagarit or we call it you. Mm. That is such a powerful sound. And you know, when the French... Uh, uh, the soldiers came to uh, uh, the old cities of, uh, of Algiers and they want to go inside the houses and the women started doing the zagarit. The soldiers didn't know what to do with it, you know, and uh, they were completely confused. Uh, if you haven't seen a, a movie called The Battle of Algiers, would be nice to see it because you see the power of women. Just with that sound they have, it's unbelievable, you know. So those things, we live with them. We live with them. And, you know, it's like uh, doing a, a, a hadra. The, the kids are there. The elders are there. It's like a daily life. We are not always like you have to have a ceremony. Sometimes in, in weddings, suddenly the rhythm is so powerful that you see a woman getting in the trance. And then the women take care of her and she, she is going to rest a moment and then she will be okay. I saw that even in a concert, where uh, in a North African concert, where suddenly a woman just uh, gets in the trance because she can feel she feels the music you mentioned that you were very passionate about healing and it even inspired you back uh, years ago like to potentially think about career as a, a doctor so I wonder this is a complete guess but I wonder if dance or 
element of dance that also kind of encouraged you or kept you engaged in dance was uh, maybe some discoveries of healing through dance? Did you find kind of any, I don't know, analogies or like different ways, but still like, uh, is your passion of healing still found its uh, realization in dance somehow? So I still think, I do think that dance um, I say this all the time. I, I do really think that dance is healing. I mean, it is it is healing. Um, I have just a little caveat about that, but I do really feel like dance is healing. I, I really I think it is. It 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 heals the, the soul. Um, it it gives expression. It is, it's especially healing for people that that have trauma in their life and can't express it another way. Um, on now that being said, um, I think that in order to get the benefits of that healing, one has to devote themselves to the process of dance. Um, it's not it, it, it's not enough to say I'm doing dance as healing, and then suddenly your dance is healing. The dance is healing because dance itself is healing and the process of dancing and being in your body um, is healing and whether and and that's one thing you discover over time I don't think it's something that um, that you can just say you just can't say oh I'm dancing and that's healing too it is um, but there's a process to it and I don't think it happens right away I think that it's it's over time that you understand that this is that this is what's happening. So, um, yes, I agree, and <laughs> but I have that caveat. Hmm. Can you clarify a little bit, what do you mean by being dedicated to the process of dance? So, being dedicated to the process means that you are continuously working with your body to understand your body um, to under to keep your body in um, I want to say performance shape but that's not exactly what I mean but to keep your body healthy um, and to keep your body healthy you have to work at keeping your body healthy it's not something you can do once a week you have to do it regularly it has to be conscious um, so you can't just sit at a, a rowing machine or something it has to be done consciously that's why dance exercises are different from uh, fitness exercises and it's something that needs to be attended to regularly so it's a process learning how your body works through dance is a process that doesn't happen overnight um, you can learn movements uh, and everybody learns movements and you will realize after you've been doing some of those movements for 10 or 15 years even that you will learn something new about that movement uh, after you've been doing it for 10 or 15 years just because of the way the process works the, the, the slow I don't want to say the slowness but the steadiness of working on on the body continuously um, has benefits that are that 
and that's what I'm talking about, that heal the body and heal the soul and heal the mind. Um, but it's not a fast process. It's, it's slow and it takes time and it needs to be continuous and it needs to be uh, done with um, thought mm. and presence. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends, and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes, or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free.